Hello, Ben. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so the internet, it's a complicated place, Ben. It is a complicated place. So, so I turned, I, I, uh, I have my computer, uh, which is one of the things we need to record a podcast or one of the things I need at least. Yep. Um, I have a microphone. I have my headphones. Uh, open up my computer. Plug all the things in. I can see uh, lots of stuff on my on my monitor and on my screen of my laptop. Like mm-hmm. and by lots of things, I mean like my calendar, my email, Twitter. Um, and then I then I open up Skype and I go and I was like, oh, no one's online. Uh, <laughs> Don, Don's making copies. Uh, yes. And uh, so I kind of like hang out and like, oh, still, still no one's online. And then, uh, did you know when, when you, the user, are not online on Skype, it has a black bar at the top that says um, something. It, I mean, it sounds like jibber jabber, like, like it's very cryptic. It says, uh, and I quote, uh, you are currently offline. And, and all the technical jibber jabber, Ben. What, I didn't why, why can't why can't people write computer programs that that are just written in plain English? I don't know, and just just tell you like either you're online or not. I or, or in a clear way, in a very clear way. And uh, so then <laughs> so then I think, oh well, Don's not online because because uh, I don't see this <laughs> this line that says you are currently not online. And by you, I mean me, not not you. Uh, and, uh, so I sat here for a little bit and I was like, oh, I'll text him. Are you online? <laughs> uh, and the answer to that would be yes. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, you are. It's me. It's me that is currently offline. It's, it's not, it's not me. It's you, Ben. It's, uh, it's not you. It's Skype. It's not, it's, it, it, yeah. It's a poor, poor user interface design. It is. If it, I just need one button that says Dawn and I just click on that. <laughs> yes. Oh. That was a weird sound. Boop. I just squeezed my phone. My uh, uh, oh, there you go. Let me adjust that. Um, I squeezed my uh, arm of my chair against the table, and it made like a, a squeaky, squeaky sound for the listeners. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, so do you? When you talk to people about what we do here, do you refer to this as the pod? Do you shorten it, or is it? Is this a podcast? Are you podcasting? Or would it be? How do you? What's the terminology you use? Um, I say the cast. The cast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. I don't. Uh, in all, in all honesty, I do not shorten it to pod or cast. I just simply call it the podcast. Me too. I, I'm doing a podcast. I'm, doing a I'm podcast. about to go do a podcast. Yeah. If, if Ben can ever get online. Ben's yeah. Not, yeah. Uh, I, I've been listening. I, I texted you a picture of uh, a brand new podcast that's n- new. Hmm. But mm-hmm. but it's guys that were from an old podcast that I talked about I think in the last episode, uh, so they they're called uh, um, the old podcast is called Keeping It Sixteen Hundred, and the new podcast is called something else. Um, pod pod Save America. Pod Save America, and they just refer to it as the Pod all the time. I'm on the we're doing the Pod today, and I would never I'd never call this the Pod. So I I don't know I maybe. So why I was asking was maybe I'm using the wrong terminology. Maybe you and I are both using the wrong terminology. Maybe this is the pod. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We might be pod people then if if this is the pod. Is from Cocoon? <laughs> no, from the from the ta- uh, invasion of the body snatchers. Ta- you, are, you, taxi? You not? <laughs> I thought you were going to attack the. I I don't know invasion. Well, I know that it was a movie. I've never seen Invasion of the Body Body Snatchers. 
<laughs> or, the, or the body, or the potty snatchers, which is a completely different movie. <laughs> yeah, not uh, we're, we're gonna skate right up to the blue line today, yes. as they say. Yes, we are. And that, was, that was a hockey analogy yeah. and a, a racy internet analogy at the same time. I did as I was making it. I didn't. I didn't even realize it was a hockey analogy. Nice. Yeah, it is. Uh, dump, dump, and change, as we like, as we like to say. <laughs> That's the, uh, is that what we like to say? That's what we like to say on uh, on my hockey team, which is uh, get off the ice. You're not doing anything. Dump the, <laughs> dump the puck and change. Uh. Uh, speaking of which, played hockey last night, uh, 10:45 game. Uh, we played against uh, uh, one one of our rival teams, uh, a team called Fastenal. Uh, mm. I think they represent the um, fastener uh, industry. And uh, they beat us six uh, four with a mm. with a we pulled our goalie it was five four um, we played horrible uh, mm. so this uh, sports update what's up with that brought to why, you why guys. why why did why did you guys play terrible I don't know it happens sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes you feel like really good and and you're just like we can do we can do no wrong even when we mess up it goes our way and then mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it's not like that and then it goes in in waves even within a game like you can feel. The momentum shifting, and it sounds like all of those sports cliches, but that that is true. Like I, you can just visualize, even being up two goals, like something happens. We're like, oh, we're gonna lose this game, and and, and then it it happens like that. Mm. Now mm. that didn't happen to us last night. We were trailing. You just never time. never never felt like you were gonna win. No, yeah. no, not at all. And and uh, yeah, we weren't good. They weren't good, but uh, they were better than us. So. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't. I obviously I don't. Um, you know, I walk for exercise, and it's not competitive walking. So you know, as long as I, uh, as long as I don't face plant and the dog doesn't get away, uh, for the most part, you know, I don't get dog poop on my hands. Those are those are my criteria for a successful walk or and or, and or dog walk. And um, uh, but uh, but I, but I can certainly feel. I certainly I can identify with feeling that way regarding work like just some days like everything is effortless and you're just you know just like every time you score a puck it's a hat trick you know <laughs> whatever yeah. whatever it is you guys yeah. say That's it, yeah. in the game in the in the hockey game top shot. um top shot yeah yeah slap shot all yeah. that Clapper, yeah um, <laughs> from the hash marks <laughs> yeah dump your change <laughs> um, but uh but yeah uh i uh but 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 definitely feel that way sometimes at work you know where things just sort of go your way or other days you can just never seem to get ahead and everything seems to go wrong. And yeah, so I can definitely identify with that. I'm sorry you guys lost, but oh, that's uh, all right. what happens oh, like a lot, probably more than we win. So I'm kind of <laughs> used to it. <laughs> and, uh, best, best thing is that regardless of how the game turns out, uh, we, uh, we drink a couple of beers in the, uh, in the dressing room and, and talk about, uh, uh, things with locker room talk. Uh, mm-hmm. And then and then I go home and watch an uh, episode of Parks and Rec and fall asleep when the uh, iPad hits me in the nose. So, and uh, and do you eat hummus? That's the key question. Not, do you eat hummus? I do eat hummus, but not <laughs> tonight, last night I did not eat hummus. Mm. I, I came home and had um, a handful of almonds and a handful of uh, cranberries. That was my my post game uh, stuff. No no hummus this time. Well, I have once again uh, made a note to myself that I, I really need to start watching uh, Parks and Recreation. Actually, Merlin was saying some something about Parks and Rec on a podcast that he was on the other day and just r- reminded me that you also talked about it and how good it is. So, yeah. It's really good. Did you watch um, 30 Rock? Did you? No, never, never did. Never so got into it. Another, It's another good show. It's it, um, I, And this is my second time through Parks and Rec. Like, I watched it in real time and... 
and and didn't watch a lot of reruns, but I just decided, yeah, oh, I need something, you know, that I'm gonna watch late at night, which is mindless. And so it came up in Hulu. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna watch this show, and I'm now in I don't know almost the end of sec- the second season, but I think I'm gonna do the same with Thirty Rock when this is done. Well, what what we have been watching uh, for just that sort of mindless comedy, and we just finished it last night. It's only it's only three series, and it's uh, it's only it's a it's a UK series, so it's only like six episodes, um, so eighteen episodes total. Um, that is uh, something which I've talked about before here, and which we will also link to uh, something called Black Books. Right. Right. Yeah. With uh, Dylan Moran, the Irish uh, comic, and uh, also a guy named uh, Bill Bailey, who is a, a British character actor that we uh, that we have uh, since watched on on QI, the British uh, quiz show, and then also a woman uh, by the name of um, Tamsin uh, Gregg, who I don't think we've seen in anything else. But anyway, uh, Bernard is basically a uh, your your typical Irish drunk. He owns a bookshop, um, a used bookshop, and he just really doesn't like people or or he loves books and he loves to drink probably more than he loves books. And uh, anyway, it's just it's just it's just a, it's just silly and they're very like they're very. <clears throat> odd but likable characters and you know it's not every episode is a slam dunk but but there's there are many that are that are very very good and 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 we we watched i think we made it through like this is maybe our third time through because again it's only it's only it's a british uh, british season so it's only uh only you know very short number of episodes but uh yeah so we we've we've enjoyed that but now we got to find something else so maybe maybe it'll be parks and rec nice is black books on the uh, netflix uh, I do not know. Acorn. We we I think we watched that on Acorn. Um, but it might. Yeah, I you know I don't I don't I don't, honestly don't know anymore. As I've explained multiple times on the podcast, uh, my my wife basically just she turns on the TV and I I occasionally there might be something that I know where where to get it like in in uh, iTunes or something. But for the most part, like she keeps track of all of that. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> she runs the she runs the TiVo. She keeps track of what we watch. You know. Perfect. Uh, yeah, uh, it works for me. Real-time update, I am looking at Netflix. It is on Netflix. I've just added it to my list. Oh, excellent. Very good. Um, yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to say I thought we were watching it on, on Netflix. So I can sometimes co- sort of remember from what the interface looks like. And the Acorn, Acorn's a great service, but the interface sucks. And, and Netflix is obviously is the, is the inter- interface that everyone should emulate because it's really easy to navigate and, and find stuff. So, yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, the uh, new new thing that we started watching, which is also on Netflix, that you just remind me of, because it came up as I looked at Netflix, is "The Moaning of Life" with uh, Carl Pilkington. Do you know? Hmm. You know? You know about we, Carl? Well, we know we because we watched uh, uh, what what's the show? Uh, uh, Idiot Abroad, yeah. uh, the Ricky Gervais show with Carl Pilkington. So uh, yes. So this is. Kind of, I mean, I, I think the idiot, an idiot abroad, uh, hit its limit, right? Like there were just so many places you could put him into. This this one is similar, where he goes and investigates like things. So so this the first episode, the uh, you know, season one episode one that we watched um, is about uh, marriage, and so he goes to India and uh, goes through the process of being um, you know, having a, a marriage arranged. And then goes to this like um, uh, pheromone club in Los Angeles to like like a, as a dating um, uh, opportunity where you put your shirt in a bag and people open the bags and smell them and then they're like oh I like the smell of this and then they take a picture of you and it goes up on his PowerPoint and then <laughs> you have the number so you're like mm, 52 that smells great and then 52 will either look at you and say oh I'd like to go talk to that person or not. Um, <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Anyway, it's pretty, it's, it's fascinating. So it's not so much about travel, uh, as it is just different cultural, um, uh, aspects and it's, and it's good. Carl Pilkington is, is one of the, the funniest, like, I can't tell if he's a character or not a character. Like, no, I think, I think he is, he, that is who he is. And, and Ricky Gervais, uh, much like Howard Stern, who, who I used to listen to is, is able to find these people, um, and just basically like show them to the world. And, uh, and that's, that's Carl. I think with Carl, pretty much what you see is what you get. That is not a character. He, or he can, he can play one character and that character is, uh, Carl Pilkington. So it's pretty awesome. Uh, because he's, you know, he just has a different outlook on life. And they, you know, they did a podcast, right? Like there was a Ricky Gervais podcast back in the day. Yeah. And did you ever listen to that? Uh, yeah, I would listen. It was one of those weird ones where I think you, you had to pay. Right. Um, and so I, but I listened to the free episodes and it didn't, it was again, and it's, it's funny to make the, the, the Howard Stern analogy. I also found it. I mean, I, I appreciate Ricky. He's very, very funny on Twitter and I do love a lot of the stuff that he's done, but he is, um, and I don't, I don't think he is a not nice person, but on that podcast, the way that they treated Carl, right. I, I, yes. it just, it's just, it's not nice. And I, do, I just, a little bit of that is okay, but, uh, I, I just can't take a steady diet of it because I just find it just too negative. It's just, it's just not for me as, as, uh, as Merlin has taught me to say. Yeah. It's, um, there's a little bit of that in an, an idiot abroad, right? Like there, yeah. There's, but 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 it's, but it's funny, and you can tell it's a yeah, it's a, it's a little bit that they're setting him up, but in the in the end, it's not it's not horrible. It's, yeah. It's just it's mostly most of Carl's misery comes from himself. Right. And so that that is a very good, you know, sort of a Buddhist perspective on life. Right. We suffer in life because we we caught we is our perspective on it that causes us suffering. So I can appreciate that. Um, and it just wasn't mean spirited. Well, whereas I found the podcast to be a bit mean spirited. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. I had I, I not I've not talked to anybody about it, but I had the same same kind of feeling Like there were def- definitely episodes where it was like 45 minutes of just making fun of Carl. And and there's something um, there's something funny about Ricky laughing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Like that. That was another. So it was, so if it was an hour long podcast. It'd be 45 minutes of Carl and then 20 minutes of uh, of Ricky just cackling. Which made me laugh because he's he, he just has a funny laugh, he um, does. He does. but yeah, and, and it's funny. Like that's it's not a um, it's not a show that I would go back and listen to again. It that was my one of my early introductions into podcasts, um, and then they they turned it into an HBO show where they edited them down into maybe half an hour and then put animations around it, which totally did not work. Hmm. Um, I don't know if it's still available on HBO, but I watched one of those and I was like, "Oh, this is this was better when when there weren't cartoons." Like, yeah, they did the, they did the same thing. Uh, I sort of with uh, with Car Talk. Um, there was a very very short run of a Car Talk cartoon, and we we you know we love the. <clears throat> the car talk, uh, a podcast and it's our go-to, even though one of the, the brothers, uh, has passed away, they, they are, they're in reruns and they're just, it's just delightful. And again, talk about somebody with a hysterical laugh, right? Uh, oh, they yeah. really they yeah. crack each other up and they're just stupid and, you know, and, and, and so it, it is, it is, and it's, you can you know, sort of slightly pretend that you're learning something about cars while you're listening. But, um, yeah, we find that very enjoyable. But they also had a very short run of a cartoon, animated cartoon that was just unwatchably horrible. So uh, yeah, so yeah, it's not you know it, it's got to be the right the right time I think and the right medium, uh, uh, you know, for the for the personalities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So I want to I want to talk about something. I sent you a text last night um, because I was watching an interview on TV that that has yes. a little bit to do with what we do in, mm. in food safety talk, um, but but more of a fascination on 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 life. And so um, so but before before we do that, yes, I just want to and I, I my apologies to whoever what famous person I'm quoting. Um, this was there was a very very funny. Um, I guess it was somebody giving advice to Obama um, during his uh, farewell speech, and what they what they. Uh, which which happened coincident with a lot of other news, which you're, we're going to talk about maybe in a minute, um, as well as the interview. And what the person's advice uh, to Obama is that he should have ended um, his uh, his farewell speech with, I'm Obama, I'm out, Trump, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw that tweet. That was great. The internet was so awesome for like an hour, two it was, hours. It was just yes, golden, just golden, oh, delightful, just, golden showers oh, were, <laughs> of a humor. Of a humorous, yes. That that, <laughs> that it seemed like everybody was kind of in on the joke, even when they weren't. <laughs> um, so so uh, to to pivot slightly, uh, I I watched this um, this interview uh, on uh, uh, late night with Seth Meyers with uh, Kellyanne Conway, who was. Uh, uh, President-elect Trump's uh, campaign manager, and she's now um, got a post as a as an advisor uh, to to Trump. And the the interview, the content of the interview is uh, is kind of astounding. But the process of the interview is what I wanted to talk about. Okay. And, um, because and so you you texted me. She's good, evil but good, and mm-hmm. that's exactly it. That there are elements of so. Why, you know, listeners, if you have a chance, uh, we'll we'll link to this. We'll link to uh, it. Yep. Yeah, go go watch this this interview because she um, uh, there there is an incredible ability to not answer questions or answer questions that come at her with a different answer and and just move on. That is a skill that that I've seen done in risk communication. And and it's not as like this. This is a little little more blatant, um, like like because you know she's being interviewed by a comedian who who's kind of laughing. Like I can't believe you're not answering this question. And then she tells him, "Well, you shouldn't bring this up." And he said, "I didn't bring it up. You just brought that up, right?" right. Like like there's it, it's just <clears throat> the byplay. But but in a in a media training sense, like this is the ultimate video to watch where for someone who might be a spokesperson who is doing is is dealing with like an outbreak or dealing with an incident for the first time if you don't feel like you can not answer a question just watch this interview <laughs> like right. like it is it's a it's kind of amazing um and that that it's the from you know when when we when, when I look at it from a from a from a communication standpoint it's not to to um, to say, okay, emulate this, and and you won't, you know, you'll you'll get past whatever questions, uh, so, you know, uh, someone's asking you. It's just to to sort of say, look, this is how someone who really is like shameless about it, I guess. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's not the right word. That's the word I'm going to use um, mm-hmm. about about not not answering questions or, or steering a conversation. Can can just you know do it for 13 minutes, and in that it's. Um, it's become okay from a political standpoint. So, I mean, don't, don't, don't get me wrong that if you were doing this 
for 13 minutes in a press conference where your company made a bunch of people sick that that you kind of get away with it. But there are tactics, there are um, strategies that that Kellyanne uses in this that are like, wow, that was that was fascinating. Um, and so 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 the I, I'm always looking for examples of um, of things to show students or to show people that are in workshops. And this is one that I'm going to use now. Um, and, and I'm sure I'll, I'll get fired at some point because the wrong the people won't get the joke that are in, in the class. But I think it's a fa fascinating educational piece. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. And, and yeah, and it, I very much as much as she's a horrible human, um, I have to admire her ability to do the do this. And and Seth Meyers, for the most part, he keeps up and he gets in a few good ones. But really, she controls the conversation. Right. Which is absolutely. which is which is I mean, that's a fantastic skill. It's 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 unfortunate that she's not using it for good, um, but it's a fantastic skill. And I, um, you know, and, and as I was as you were talking and as I was thinking about this, I really you know who I miss is I miss John Stewart oh, because yeah. because he was as quick and as politically savvy and yet hilariously funny. And he could really like, if there was somebody I would put up against Kellyanne Conway, um, I, I, I would, and, and they had to be like a, a, a late night talk show slash comedian person. I would, I would totally put uh, John Stewart up against her. Yeah. Well, and, and John Stewart, I mean, I'm glad you bring that up because he has maybe the best, um, example when, uh, when he went up with, uh, against, uh, Tucker Carlson on Crossfire. Do you, do you know do you remember this example uh, from 2006 we'll link to this in YouTube we don't have it's 14 minutes long but it's it's John Stewart um, ba you know basically saying um, Tucker you're hurting America <laughs> or I guess it's 2004 you're you're yelling is hurting things and, and yeah just oh and I, I yes I remember this and and it's it's fantastic Sorry. yeah yeah October yeah. 15 2004 um, yeah so uh, check yeah check check those out good uh, good, good political uh, theater um, which uh, which is all it really is right now is, uh, is there some there's a lot of theater going on uh, but it, I, I and not and not the, not the good kind of theater that we that, like Hamilton that we've been talking it's not about, like right? Hamilton no not musical theater this no. is uh, this this is horrible horrible theater it yes is, I'm still. I, Don, this is gonna like I, I'm still enamored with watching it though, like like I, almost to the sense of it can't it can't be real and I'm gonna remember like uh, to at the risk of uh, this becoming a, a food safety politics talk, um, I watched uh, portions of uh, um, uh, Trump's uh, first press conference in like nine months yesterday, and and I I couldn't I couldn't look away I couldn't not watch this. Um, situation and and I'm not in a in a frame of mind of like oh this is terrible I mean it's it is terrible when I think about it afterwards but when I'm in it I'm like oh what's he gonna do next what could what could possibly happen here <sighs> yeah I have uh, I have uh, deliberately uh, tried uh, to, to to stay away from it and and I fortunately I had other things to do otherwise when you mentioned that that's what you were watching that I probably <laughs> would have uh, would have turned over to it but it's just I just find it I just find it just too too depressing um, and and so I just need to like take a break from it that yeah. that said uh, I still am subscribed to uh, Trumpcast and where I got the the, the basically and actually I don't think they I don't think they talked about the um, 
uh, I don't think they talked about the press conference yet, but they talked about Urinegate or whatever we're, whatever we're calling it, yes. um, uh, which was which was really interesting. Also, I have to explain because um, this is very very funny. So, uh, as 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 listeners of the podcast will know, um, at least the listeners that are you, me, Linda, and Michelle will know, um, we have a uh, on um, on messages. We have a group for the the four of us to talk. And there has been some problems with the way that has, uh, at some point I turned it into a named conversation, (laughs) which apparently broke uh, Michelle's iPhone. And so um, she is, she's texting me like, can you fix this? Um, Because Linda's always putting writing in the wrong thing. And um, I'm explaining to her that I can't. And I said, hey, look, I'm podcasting now. I can work on this later. She says, OK, fine. Have a good podcast. Um, it's good that the other guy talks so much. <laughs> <laughs> good job, so, Michelle. <laughs> anyway, so thank, thank you for that, Michelle. Uh, apologies to all the other listeners who, who had to listen to all that. But, but you all got the punchline because, uh, because you, you, you listened to the podcast. So thank you all. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Um, so I have one more thing. Oh. Okay, this is not again. I don't know why I'm in a I'm, I'm in a whole politics mood, but um, have you watched any of Samantha Bee's show, Full Frontal? You see, this I have show? only seen clips on the internet, and again, it's another thing. I really like her. I've heard she's very, very good. Um, at, but again, it's just I just don't have time, and I don't have the emotional bandwidth to to handle it. And so, uh, but yes, um, absolutely, I I, uh, I I've heard good things about it. Well, so it's it's actually hard to watch, like not not a um, uh, emotionally. I have to close my, avert my eyes. It's hard to find it, so it only oh, okay. exists on YouTube right now in segment clips, and then on TBS on their stupid app that I I can't get access to because I don't have cable anymore. Um, uh, but there is, I want, I'm, you have, you have some homework. Um, you're going to go and I'm going to send you this link. There is a, um, uh, a six minute segment that she did in, uh, October on Russian thinkfluencers. Oh and, my God. Yes. And, oh, and it's screaming at me in my earphones, but, um, I will send you this link right now. Anyway, this is, it's fascinating again from, uh, from a process standpoint, so so the the idea here is uh, there uh, there's a whole and I don't I mean I don't know again how real it is or how not real it is but it's a fascinating segment. There are these two individuals who um, are part of the the Russian um, bot world of running hundreds of social media accounts, creating memes that are political for the U.S. market, and um, and, and it's just like. I, you know, I, I look, I, I viewed this uh, a couple of months ago, thought, wow, that was fascinating. And then after we watched the Seth Meyers thing last night uh, with Danny, I was like, you, I don't think you've watched this. So I showed her this, this clip and, and it, it reminds, you know, so we do research in social media and food safety and we look at how do we get into people's heads and, and how do we become compelling message artists and how do we, um, what, what gets people to, to change their behaviors on food handling. And, you know, I, 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 this is about how do they change, you know, how do memes change the mind of uh, people who are voting? And it's, I mean, it's two, you know, two totally different things, but the process of it is fascinating. So check, check this link out because it's, um, it's worth watching. 
Yeah, so we will we will link to it uh, in uh, show notes, and um, uh, I got your link, um, and I will I will definitely do that. Um, and <clears throat> not that this is homework for you, but just to give you an idea of like what I've been doing, kind of as a like a, a, a self soothing practice is is looking for things that are are completely not related to current events. Um, and, and there's a wonderful movie. Uh, it's from 1972, uh, starring Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neal called What's Up Doc. Have you ever seen this movie no okay uh, the the uh, imdb describes it uh, in one sentence in this way the accidental mix-up of four identical plaid overnight bags leads to a series of increasingly wild and wacky situations um it's <laughs> it's complete escapism 1970s comedy um and it's uh, it's 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 pretty it's pretty great. So um, if you haven't ever seen it, it's got it's got uh, Barbara Streisand, Ryan O'Neill. It's uh, uh, I think the very sort of the first uh, major role for Madeline Kahn, uh, who many people may know from um, 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 those movies she did with those guys. Yeah, <laughs> she was in the in the in the in uh, thing in the thing with uh, what's his name and, and the other guy and yeah and Gene Gene Wilder. G- yes, uh, Mel Brooks. Mel, Mel Brooks. Brooks. She anyway. was in, you know, what she was in that that I, I, what she, it was introduced. I'm pretty sure she was in this. Wasn't she in Clue? I don't know. Do you know that? You know that movie? Yep, she was in Clue. Yeah, I know the movie. Yeah, yeah, she was. That I that was like a a really funny cable movie that I watched when I was a kid a lot. I should maybe show my kids this movie. Mm. I'm really into that. What are good kids movies from the '80s? You um, yes, she was Mrs. White in in the 1985 movie Clue. She was. Yes. Um, you know what's not a good movie from the 80s for, for anybody to watch? What's um, that? And it's not – it's a, m- a movie called Explorers. Do you know about this? I don't. Okay. So Ethan Hawke, who, who is now uh, grown up to be uh, a much older actor, and um, uh, River Phoenix – uh, are in this movie about uh, one guy has a dream and builds a spaceship and then they meet an alien. Anyway, it starts out okay, uh, but it, it turns out to be not a great movie for, for kids. And I don't remember it when I was a kid, but it popped up on one of the uh, like Amazon or something. So I was like, oh, let's watch this. It's got Ethan Hawke and River Phoenix in it. Not, yeah, not 70, 77% on the tomato meter. Yeah, I would say like 8% on my tomato meter. Uh, well, have you have you shown your kids uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? I have not. Now that might be good. My recollection is that's pretty. It's pretty silly and pretty funny. I uh, I'd like to. So here's what's on the list right now. Um, <laughs> you have to explain what a phone booth is to them. But I, aside from that, they saw a phone uh, at a gas station, and they're like, "Oh my why, god, why is that there?" Yeah, this is when we were driving to DC a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, I should Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is a great idea. We we watch. I've shown them Adventures in Babysitting, not appropriate, uh, <laughs> which it's too far into the movie that we were like, oh, uh, um, but uh, next on the list are the Rocky movies, which are all PG and are apparently quite mm-hmm. good. From a like, I don't I don't remember from a storytelling. Like I remember them being good movies, but I don't remember them being like, oh, this is a great like underdog storyteller. Kids would love it. Love it kind of movie. So, mm-hmm. so we're gonna do that. Um, ah, so why did we watch a lot of movies, Don? Do you want to you want to know what's going on in my in my life in my world? Yes, we've been snowed and iced in for like oh yes for like yes. five days. 
Oh, like like not able to get out of the house, started like eating the dog, cooking the dog for food, yes. burning burning the shingles off the house. Yes, like three days of could not leave the na- couldn't even leave our street. Oh man, um, because there was like a like two inches of ice on the roads. Um, and then my kids uh, had no school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of this week. Uh, they went back to school today, and tomorrow's a teacher work day, and Monday's oh. MLK day. So it, yeah, they nice. Basically, uh, have uh, a spring break uh, early this year with one one day out of uh, what seven uh, they have to go to school. Wow! But yeah, so we uh, we had um, we we got about two and a half inches of snow, which turned into two inches of ice, uh, and it was it was pretty treacherous. Even the university was closed. Well, and I think the the forecast even was because we got hit with that same with that same nonsense. But we were, I think, everything was cleared because it mostly hit us on the weekend. And so I think I think it, everything was good. Yeah, because it was Sunday. It was Saturday actually yeah. when it hit us. And, yep. uh, but but uh, but it looked like it was uh, further south of us, which is where you are. Uh, it was was worse. And and obviously, the further south you go, the less the state, those states are, you know, typically able to handle, um, bad weather. And so, but I guess, and it was funny, some of our friends who work in, in, uh, in Georgia were, were, uh, posting on Facebook and, and whatnot about, uh, you know, the, the snowpocalypse and, you know, where you can, if you squint hard in the picture, you can see a little bit of snow. So apparently <laughs> CDC had an early, uh, early closing, but, um, uh, but, but, you know, it was, it was, there was no reason for it. So, uh, but, but so, so obviously right there in the middle of that bad weather in New Jersey and, and light, light snow in, in Georgia, uh, you guys were right in the middle of that. We were, yeah. And we were forecasted to get at one point 10 to 14 inches of snow. Right. I saw that. Yeah. Um, we, we ended up much less than that. Uh, but Greensboro were, were a friend, friend of the pod. Front of the podcast, front of the cast. Uh, Tom Ford lives from Ecolab. He got uh, eight and a half uh, inches of snow, and they're wow. they're an hour away from here. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it was uh, it, it was a little bit uh, it was a little bit crazy. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we we got out of that whole thing, um, and uh, today. So part of my uh, delay on starting a podcast today was uh, I forgot that I had to take kids to school. Because <laughs> uh, I didn't have to do that for three days. Uh, part of the delay was I need to go to Starbucks, and then the third piece was because it was the first day back to school for everyone. Um, the traffic was insane in Raleigh. Mm. My normally twenty-five minute drive turned into almost an hour. It was like fifty-two minutes. Oh, people forgot how to get there. I, yeah, how, I, I, Don, I can't. I'm, I just just accept it. You can't dissect it. It yeah. doesn't. It's not logical. It's it's that. All of a sudden, every yeah, for three days, people didn't have to go anywhere. Then everyone decides that they don't know how to drive, and uh, it's not like it's not like three it's not like three days worth of people had to get to work, right? It's like I it's know. the same people that would have been going. It, it happens wow. every every time we have uh, school cancellations. The day afterwards, it's a crazy traffic day. Oh, it's strange. I, yeah, I don't I don't understand it. Um, so so anyway, we're I'm here. I'm on my, I'm on campus. I'm in my office. Uh, I've had uh, so I want I want to let's talk food safety because this is food safety let's, talk, right? Let's let's do that. Let's uh, do that. So a really exciting uh, week uh, for for me and for the uh, food safety program uh, that focuses on uh, consumer food safety here at NC State. We have um, over the last year tar- targeted, recruited, hired. 
um, three new um, individuals who, they're not new individuals, new to us, uh, who are area specialized agents who are going to be working um, across the state supporting extension agents in programs and um, and, and working out of you know, my uh, my program here in, in my building um, and we are we're building a uh, an information center and not not like a physical like we're not not like uh, data cards and uh, tapes and microphones uh, but we're right now uh, planning over the next few months on, how to create something where people could text or go on a Facebook page or use social media and ask questions about food safety, consumers, not consumers, and get um, science-based answers with references, and we engage in a conversation with them. So, so we've got we've got these new uh, uh, these new folks starting. Um, two of them started uh, this last week, so it's uh, Rachel McDowell and Candice Deshane. And then we have a third uh, person, Debbie Stroud, who starts in um, February, uh, and it's it's really exciting, Don. This is like um, a I, I, something new that I'm you know uh, I just happen to be at the you know at the building stage of it, um, and we're like creating. I mean, we're 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 basically creating the plans on how we answer questions and how we vet resources and. What's the what's the process uh, to to do this? Um, with the thought that we would, you know, we're we're gonna have this uh, group of people that uh, that'll be at, at at your beck and call uh, for uh, food safety questions. So it's kind of that. Is, that is very cool. I'm I'm very excited for you. That's 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 exciting news. It, yeah, it's I'm I'm super excited too. So so anyway, that's uh, so so. Uh, one Candace started on Tuesday when the university opened, so I got to be here all day uh, working working with her on here's here's the philosophy behind what we do. And you know, like you, this podcast has really helped formulate um, this information center concept um, because the the idea is not someone calls or someone texts and says how do i do this or is this safe and and just like how you and i kind of reason through things um the the answer <laughs> maybe this is taking a page out of kellyanne conway the answer is not is it safe but here are the risks associated with what you do and then here are the practices that you can take to reduce those risks that's the that's the line that we're that we're trying to to um to go down with with these questions and answers so a lot of the stuff that you and I do becomes the basis for that process. So it's cool. Yeah. Well, and speaking of cool, uh, we got uh, we've had we've had a really a very very nice run of um, oh and um, apologies for the the jingling. The dogs have just come into my home office and they are uh, now going to fight um, and make jingly noises. Thank you. Um, so uh, apologies while I talk here for a minute with that in the background. Um, that's what they call Foley, Ben. I don't know if you know that. Uh, Foley. <laughs> Hello. Are you there? I think I've lost you, Ben. The dogs coming into my office have made you be very quiet. I still can't hear you. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk for a while and uh, and hopefully uh, you'll talk back at some point. Uh, hey, my microphone, oh. my I, my <laughs> mute was on. <laughs> that's okay. It's I need I need to mute my end because this is where the dogs are. But uh, but so, that's okay. So um, I was making a lot of jokes about Foley. I was crinkling things. <laughs> I I thought it was hilarious. No one got to hear it at all. It's uh, oh, anyway. I was and I kept yelling, "Hi, Brett Michaels." 
Um, and no one answered. Oh gosh, I'm sorry. Dog. Now and you were on mute, and now the dogs are gone. So uh, that's a it's okay. Um, so one of the things that we've had a really great run with on the podcast is listener feedback, and uh, so I want to share. I say two two bits. One on uh, FDA and Vibrio, and another on Couscous. And this is feedback from uh, from listeners. Um, uh, the first one um, is from a person who uh, let's call him. Uh, Barry, the health inspector, um, uh, because uh, because you, I, and I want you to in your mind picture uh, Larry, the cable guy. Yeah, when as the health that's inspector. how I picture him. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll call him Barry, um, and it's not the president. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lot of time now. He's been listening to the podcast. I think he's about to weigh in on something. It's, uh, you know, I'm sure he has an opinion. I would love, you know, and President President Obama, if uh, if you are listening to the podcast, uh, please, we'd love to have you as a guest. Uh, come on anytime. Um, OK, so uh, I so so quoting uh, from the oh, the, so the, the person says, please don't quote me on this. Uh, but I think what he means is, please, uh, you can don't quote and say, yeah. but don't attribute it. Right. Yeah. Um, I heard you talking about the FDO Vibrio letter on Food Safety Talk 116. Uh, maybe, you know, this background on why Vibrios are handled the way they are as opposed to other microbes. So this may be superfluous, but I think it's an important legal distinction. And in fact, I did sort of know this, but but I think this this particular individual uh, poses this in a very, very helpful and clear way. So he writes, uh, one issue involved is that Vibrio is, quote, naturally occurring, end quote, or, quote, not an added substance, end quote, see uh, the end of page uh, one in section A of the letter. The other parts of this letter are are good, Two, concerning the risk issues in FDA's response to the Vibrio issue, but legally, it is a critical distinction, and I think the major reason for the response of the agency, and I think that this is this is correct, and and in fact, we miss that. We in totally the missed it. Commentary. Yeah. So yeah. we thanks to uh, thanks to Barry the Cable Guy for or Barry the Health Inspector for uh, for 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 giving us this feedback. Um, uh, the FD&C Act Section uh, 402A1 says a food is adulterated if quote if it bears uh, or contains any poison or deleterious substance which may render it injurious to health uh, in an emphasis. But in case the substance is not an added substance, and emphasis, the food shall not be considered adulterated under this clause if the quantity of such substance in food does not ordinarily render it, render it injurious to health. Now, that is obviously written by a lawyer and not a scientist, but I, I hope you the, the listeners get the, the point that it, the, it, there is a distinction if it is uh, not added uh, by the processor, and certainly Vibrio is not. Okay, so going on in, with the letter. <clears throat> This is the distinction between a microbe like Vibrio versus other bugs that may cause illnesses. For example, sh there should not be any listeria in food. It is an added substance, and therefore any level can make a food adulterated. And this is, now this is done as an aside independent of the dose response, which is we've talked about before on the podcast. Um, on the other hand, we know Vibrio is naturally occurring, not added, and therefore FDA needs to know how much makes people sick, and we know it isn't zero. The letter goes on to say the infectious dose of Vibrio vulnificus is unknown. 
I believe this is the reason why FDA denied the petition. The other information is good background about what FDA is doing to reduce the illness of Vibrio, but has nothing to do with the legal issue of whether FDA can set a tolerance of zero for Vibrio, unlike Listeria uh, or other organisms, signed uh, Barry, the health inspector. So, um, yeah, so really good letter, and we thank we – thank, uh, the listener for for giving setting us straight because we really did totally miss this and so this was this was very very good feedback and and you know that's a, that's a big part of I mean we we do a podcast because we like talking to each other and we like putting this out but but honestly just as much uh, is is hearing back from people um, with uh, either agreement or or disagreement or corrections and so thank you very much for that. Um, the, I, I'm sorry, I was talking. My microphone was off again. <laughs> um, You know, absolutely. I think this is, um, like you said, something we missed and and it makes it special. Right. Like this is some different. We um, there aren't a lot of FDA regulated items that have foodborne pathogens that are naturally occurring. Right. Like this is something that we would see more likely in uh, an FSIS. Uh, regulated product and, and salmonella in chicken is, is uh, or poultry would be, um, I, I, you know, a great example here. And as why Foster Farms could uh, took so long without recalling because the the um, the argument being made that that salmonella was naturally occurring. But this is um, your you know um, uh, Barry uh, the cable guy got this uh, got this right bang on that, that we missed this and I really appreciate him. Uh, spending the time to send it on to us. Yeah. And, and so that, yes, excellent. Excellent. Um, and then, uh, another bit of, uh, uh, feedback. Um, and this is, uh, from somebody who says, uh, please share all details freely. Um, this is from, uh, neuro nerd, uh, Veronica Bryant. Uh, she says, I feel weird in responding this way, but I can't email this to Ben because it's too long and he won't read it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then she goes on to write a very short email message. She says, I want to follow up with the couscous discussion from episode 115. I have to say that the discussion was for the most part spot on in terms of reality versus regs and the history with uh, the establishment being important. However, I do want to take up for regulators for just a second. So thank you very much for doing that, Veronica, um, because the quote four hour rule uh, end quote and using uh, time as a public health control abbreviated TPHC requires that there be some sort of written procedure <clears throat> for using time as a public health control in order to be in compliance. So while a violation may be different, food that is under time as a public health control without a written procedure isn't in compliant from a regulatory standpoint. Uh, she goes on to say, I also I think it is flawed to say that the food on the counter is now, quote, in the cooking process, end quote. If I put an egg on the counter of that kitchen, would it reach any kind of cooking temperature. Me personally, I would watch what was happening with that couscous before making a judgment. If it ends up cooking in 10 minutes, fine. If it sits there for 15 to 20, we need to talk about what it's doing. And th- and that's where the relationships with the operator comes in. Um, uh, she says, I know I'm an episode late on this. It's okay, Veronica, you can email us anytime. But I just wanted to share a point on this. Uh, uh, she says, I absolutely agree. Based on the scenario, the food would be safe. It may be out of compliance because uh, of TPHC procedures being required. So ex- it's an excellent comment. And again, um, not being, you know, people who are, you and I are people who are familiar with the regulations, but we, we don't live in that world every day. Uh, unlike people like Veronica. So we, again, we very much do appreciate her, her feedback on this. Absolutely. And, um, I want to, I want to, um, dive into this a little, a little bit more. Um, 
to, you know, this, if it ends up cooking in 10 minutes, fine. If it sits there to 15, 20 minutes, we need to talk about what it's doing. Um, you know, I want to, and I, you know, I know that uh, Veronica listens to this uh, as well. I wonder what the, what a suitable answer would be from an operator on what it's doing for 10 to 15 minutes, right? Like if the operator says, hey, I'm leaving it here for 10 to 15 minutes because I want it to, um, it, it, it has to do with quality or I want it to cool to this temperature because if I add in whatever it is I'm going to do, like this is part of the cooking process. If I add in my my additional herbs right now, it's going to wilt them and I don't want that to happen. You know, whatever it is, I, you know, I, I think I, I want to, um, I'd be interested in hearing more about what a, what the acceptable type of answer for 10 to 15 minutes or 15 to 20 minutes uh, would be. Um, and, and then, and conversely, what would be like not a good answer. And to me, I, I think it would be something like I'm, I've, I'm just leaving it here cause I can't get to it right now. Right. Like, right. That, that kind of stuff. And I, and I love, I mean, kudos to Veronica, um, for, for sending this message because it, it does, you know, we, we look at things from, okay, let's, let's look at the risk. Let's, let's see what's happening with the pathogens. But the practical side of things is uh, a, uh, you know, an environmental health officer, an inspector, whoever's going through, isn't going to make like isn't going to make those those calculations without knowing additional information like this. Like what what is what's happening here? It's not just that point in time because we can all kind of you know argue about what the risk is in that point in time. But how is someone going to use this? How long it's how long is it going to be there? What what are the reasons for it? Um, and and as Veronica said, what, have you written this down somewhere? Like, is this document is what your process is? Because if it is, then we're good to go. If it's outside of your process, now now we have stuff to talk about. It was cool. That's great. Great message. Great. Yeah. And 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 while we're doing uh, feedback, I have a little bit more. Um, and now uh, the dog uh, is walking through. Oh, and my wife has my wife has successfully returned the thing that the dog stole from my office and, uh. and closed the door so the dog won't come back in. So. Um, uh, so that's just a little bit of a uh, foley uh, in the background there uh, for you. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I've got my Ben. Fridge. Ben, is your office on fire? It's on fire. It's on fire. <laughs> I'm just sitting here fireside, Don, listening to these stories you regaling me with. No. <laughs> oh, foley. Uh, so um, we. Uh, so and I, I think we've we've certainly we've talked about um, um, the FDA uh, and and listeria and milkshake mixers and um uh, uh such things that regarding the um uh the bluebell outbreak and uh we there is uh again one of the uh the listeners to the podcast very nicely uh shared shared some very nice feedback with me um in person recently and then followed up with an email message and so uh, uh and the email message basically links us to an article uh, entitled um, "Hospital," which which we will I, unfortunately I couldn't get access to the article because I don't think our university gets uh, gets this journal, but but we'll cer certainly link to the to the the abstract. It's entitled 
hospital-acquired listeriosis linked to a persistently contaminated milkshake machine. And uh, so basically this is, uh, this is linked to Bluebell, and uh, it says one case of a hospital-acquired listeriosis was linked to milkshakes produced in a commercial-grade shake freezer machine. The machine was found to be contaminated with a strain of Listeria monocytogenes epidemiologically and molecularly linked to a contaminated pasteurized dairy-based ice cream product, i.e. Bluebell ice cream, at the same hospital a year earlier, despite repeated cleaning and sanitizing. So, um, so this is evidence that what we were talking about before with respect to, uh, to Bluebell and the contaminated milkshake uh, machine is true. However, um, it's important to note that um, uh, the uh, Kansas hospital, which was also involved in the Bluebell outbreak, um, is apparently much easier to clean. And this is a comment from – this is something shared via email um, via this, the same individual, which is a, which is a quote from a different person, um, uh, at, that, that this person knows. So again, and none of these people have asked to be identified. So I apologize for being a little obscure about this, but, um, so, so what do we know from this? Well, what we know is we have a, a peer reviewed article that says that this particular type of milkshake machine was difficult to clean. Um, we also know that in another hospital that was part of the outbreak, there is a another type of milkshake machine which apparently is easier to clean. So, so there is some evidence that contaminated milkshake mixtures have led to uh, the listeriosis and maybe the amplification of the dose, but as so often is the case with, with science, we have another uh, situation where maybe the milkshake machine wasn't linked or, or would have been more difficult to prove. Again, we just don't really – all we know is that in another hospital where they also had cases, they had an ice, the milkshake machine that's easier to clean. We don't have any evidence on persistent contamination or the ability of that. So anyway, it's a, again, just a little bit of follow-up. Uh, good to know that, that we're not completely off base, um, but still not a slam dunk that, that the hospital um, uh, cleaning of the milkshake mixers was, was definitely um, uh, a root cause in this particular outbreak. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I, di I was able to download this uh, paper, so I just threw it into Dropbox for you. Thanks. There is a fascinating um, uh, timeline uh, figure when you get a chance to look at this that shows right from illness onset all the way through to investigation, just looking at the different times that the that cleaning and sanitation happened um, and when the recalls happened and um, it's pretty yeah it, it, there's some good there's some good stuff here um, also um, in here this is looking there, there's a, a table that looks at all the samples uh, that were taken in November and December and um, uh, different machines were sampled it looks like they're machine B not machine A um, had positives multiple times um, on um, when the mix that went through it was dispensed into Whirlpack, uh, when the ice cream mix was scooped from a reservoir, and then sponge swabs on the side of the walls and the nozzle pieces. Um, out of, let me look, just do my uh, back of the uh, calculator adding here 10, 18 total swab or 18 total samples. Uh, from four different sites, there were 
uh, nine of those 18 were positive for, for LM, for, yeah, for LM. So, so, so milkshake, the, uh, milkshake machine B, um, uh, you know, apparently has more problems on harboring, um, than, than A and it's a different type. Right. Interesting. Really interesting stuff. Cool. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, so, oh yeah. And I, I, um, and I think, I think that's it for follow-up. Well, uh, well, there, there, there you go. It's our, it's our follow-up bell. Um, someone came into my office yesterday, Natalie, uh, who, who you know, um, and she looked at my bell that was Natalie, on... Natalie Portman. Yeah, Natalie Portman. Um, she, uh, she's not, not doing a lot in between uh, Star Wars movies uh, now that uh, episode one, two, and three are done. Um, she, I, there's like stuff all over my bell, like, <laughs> like, like maybe milkshake, dried milkshake. Oh my God, she's Ben. Like, what is on that sounds bell? disgusting. It does sound disgusting. Don't. I, I I hazard a guess that it's um, milkshake uh, um, machine B uh, that I've got now on my desk. Uh, um, so I'm trying not to touch the gross part, but I can still wow. touch the, the the button part. Wow, my uh, my my bell is uh, is is Sweet. is Sweet. is Sweet. is Sweet. is, is, is yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Oh, that's squeaky. squeaky, squeaky clean. Squeaky, squeaky clean valve. Um, so, so hey, I had a paper published that I wanted. Did to talk, you? Yeah, that I wanted to talk about. Oh, I've had a paper published too. Well, but congratulations. Not, but not recently. But no, let's. Talk, I had let's one. I, I had one like uh, kind of recently, um, and and it's kind of an interesting one. I want to tell, tell you. About it, man. Tell I want to tell you the story of this of this paper. Oh, okay. So yeah. this, it was published in Food Protection Trends. Um, it's, uh, the title is a shopper's eye view of food safety at retail stores, lessons from photographs taken while grocery shopping. And, um, how, how this paper started was our good friends at, uh, USDA ARS, uh, Winmore, Pennsylvania, uh, John Lachansky and Anna Porto Fett. Um, we, we've been uh, collaborating on a bunch of stuff. They uh, had this project that they were doing where they took some ridiculous amount of samples, like 12,000 samples uh, from uh, retail stores all throughout the U.S. Uh, looking for LM, and they're looking at um, every area uh, that was associated with, with delis. So and deli like so deli packaged stuff as well as deli unpackaged foods, and they would go. They had this you know team of shoppers that would go around and, and take buy stuff, and then they would look for LM to get a a sense of with all of the focus on LM over the last ten years. Ha, is there actually less LM in products? Really like big structured project now. Right. Is, is it working? Right. Like we, yeah. we know we know it's a risk. We know what, what the risk factors are. Are we actually able to implement and, and, and achieve a reduction? Exactly. Exactly. And, and let's not just do it in a small sense. Let's look at a, a large. So actually, I'm looking at the numbers here. Uh, Twenty seven thousand total RTE food samples were purchased at real retail establishments across the U.S., uh, how do you, how do you have time to do a podcast, Ben? Oh, I didn't have to do any of this. This okay. happened before me. Yeah, this okay. is uh, and and whoever tells you that uh, that the people in the government aren't working, this oh is my a, god, this is a lot yeah. of work. This is it's a, a lot of work. It's a lot, it's a of, lot samples. of samples. It's a ton of samples. 
Um, so they went to supermarket chains, independent grocery stores. They actually uh, focused on food net sites um, to so they could match up. Yep. Um, you know, all the food net data. Uh, and also that's, those are, um, uh, I think Sentinel's, uh, CDC sites for, uh, poop data as well. Um, so they've got, you know, 24 months, they, they did all this stuff in 2010, 2012. I enter the picture in 2015 when John and Anna say, when we were out at these places, we, we took a lot of pictures because, and we didn't know what to do with them, but we took a lot of pictures of things that we saw as as food safety nerds and things that we saw that, that would be risks that, that maybe consumers know are risks, maybe not. Maybe inspectors are there seeing this, but it's only a snapshot in time. Like all of the limitations of the stuff that we talked about. Sorry for hitting my microphone, by the way. <laughs> it's okay. Get um, excited. I, I did. I got excited. I was moving my hands. Um <laughs> Uh, it's a it's an audio podcast, right? It's a, uh, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so anyway, um, so so John and Anna say, um, could you do something with these pictures? Like, we we think that there's something here. There's a story to tell. How should we tell this story? And and so so they gave me the pictures. Um, um, one of um, one of my former grad students, uh, Ellen Thomas. She and I sat down, looked at these pictures, and we're like, you know, it's this is tough because this this study was like, although the sites were selected um, systematically, like what placed the shoppers into the system that was done, what caused them to take a picture was not like, a, you know, it it wasn't objective, it wasn't systematic. It was like they saw something, they took a picture. So so from a data standpoint, it's really hard to to make this into a research project, right? Like it wasn't meant to be a research project. Uh, that being said, I tried to do that. And the first iteration of, of this paper that was submitted to Food Protection Trends, we really tried to make fit the format of here, here are the methods, here, you know, here's the experimental design. And one of the reviewers um, came back and, and said very correctly, you're, you, you can't do that. Like this wasn't set up the, what you're saying is not how this was set up and you're trying to force it in, you know, what, what's the uh, term, a uh, circle your peg into a square hole, square peg in a circle hole, whatever it was wrong peg, wrong hole. So I took the material, went back and said, maybe, you know, there's, there's a story here. Why don't we just tell the story of people went out there and they took pictures and this is what they saw. And so that's what we did. Um, and, and thought about, how once we have these pictures, how can we then make a determination of if you show these to consumers, do they actually see the same risks? And that's a paper that that's in process right now, where um, we we did a, 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 a national electronic survey and then some focus groups by taking these exact pictures and showing them to uh, to consumers. But this is. Um, I, I appreciate um, Kathy Cutter and, um, and and the editorial folks at Food Protection Trends for like letting us do something like this because this is like a non-traditional kind of paper, but it gets us away uh, from let's just ask people a bunch of questions. Like these are this is real life stuff, and I think I, I'm actually a little ner nervous. Maybe isn't yeah I guess nervous that some of our retail friends are not going to like what we did on this. Um, because it's not like uh, someone may pick this up and say, oh my gosh, retail stores are doing things really, really poorly. 
And that's not what the paper says. The paper says when someone happened to be in a rest, in a retail store, they saw this stuff, and, and and retailers should know this because this stuff's going on. So so address it. But there isn't a hey, this is what retail stores look like across the U.S. Um, but it's been um, I, I appreciate the ability to try something a little different with a with a paper and then do this as like a, you know, I can't remember what the exact term from um, uh, FPT is, but it's not a, it's a peer reviewed article, but not a peer reviewed research, research paper. Um, and so, so anyway, I wanted to, I wanted to get your thoughts on, on this and maybe who knows, maybe you were one of, maybe you were the reviewer that said, this is I, awful. I have, I have reviewed something that your name is on that was published in, or that, that, that was reviewed for FPT. I was not on this one, but, but you know, this, you raise a good point, right? Like, so this is, this is a tremendous storehouse of data. It was, and this is something that we're always doing in risk assessment is we're always using data. Like people criticize all the time for saying, well, the data wasn't intended for that purpose. It's like, well, yes, of course the data wasn't intended for that purpose, but we have the data now and we want to use it to do something. And as long as we're clear about how the data was collected and what we're trying to do, it's fine. And and, that, and this is the, the dance between the, the authors and the reviewers. And I'm glad, and again, uh, props to Kathy Cutter for being an awesome editor for FPT and for working with you and for the, and the reviewers for trying to, to do this. The, the, it, it's great that we, as members of IAFP, have uh, FPT as a resource that we can use to do maybe some non-traditional things. And so it's, yeah, it's, it, this is great. And this is, this is, this is, this is great that you were able to do this and that these, 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 uh, these, this data, these, this digital data is available now. Um, and it, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting that, that you were able to do this and, and able to, to share this. And, and I look forward to essentially what is part two, which is how consumers will react to this data, right? It's yeah. And I, I mean, I'll give you the, um, the, the the quick um, summary of of part two, uh, although it's in still in process, and we're actually sending our review response today uh, for for that paper. Um, maybe not unexpectedly, how consumers view risks when we present them with these is different from our assessment of those risks. So um, we we internally have um, have keyed that paper the yuck factor versus risk factor paper. Because uh, when when you work with John and Anna, everything has its own name to keep it in, in like to keep it straight. If you got four things going on, they all it's not like oh this is our picture. Blah, blah, blah. It's like no, this is yuck factor and risk factor. Um, and, and so when we when we show consumers uh, some of these exact same pictures that are in this in this paper, uh, and then with our additional pictures that we showed them that weren't in this this first one, um, the stuff that you and I see are, is not the same of thing that they see. They, they, uh, or I should say, because uh, I don't know what you and I see. We didn't actually measure that. The stuff, right. the stuff that's in the food code that we would match up the practices with, or the stuff that uh, comes out of CDC's contributing factors for foodborne illness, are not the same things that consumers value as uh, risks or that they see when you present them a picture of it. 
Right. And and so and so there's two bits of information that are useful here to or at least two that are useful to our retail colleagues. Number one is just that these photos as training tools. Right. So here are these photos. You as as people in retail, you know what the risk factors are. Use these photos to train your people. So because these these were these were not staged. These are real situations that really occurred. Maybe they didn't occur in your facility. Maybe they occurred in a competitor's facility. But guess what? You need to still manage risk. And this is useful. And then, and then also, our retail colleagues need to be aware uh, that 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 the the face that they're presenting to the public. Well, there's you need to do one thing to manage risk, but uh, risk factors. But you need to do another thing to manage yuck factors, and and that's just as important, right? I mean, even Absolutely. though something that's a yuck factor may not matter, we know professionally it doesn't matter in terms of risk. Guess what? That does create a perception in the mind of the consumer, and and you want to manage that, right? You want you want the consumers to want to go to your store because it's not yucky. It's because it's clean and and sanitary, both both from a perspective point of view as well as from an actual point of view. Well, absolutely. And I, and I think that um, I, I was at a meeting with a bunch of retailers 18 months ago when we were starting to formulate both of these projects. And um, something stuck, has, sticks to my mind now about a conversation that, that we had in this, in this circle, which was my CEO or my executives, you know, this is the the food safety director or food safety VP for a, a retail company says my CEO or, or my other colleagues and as executives, they really care about hairnets, right? Like they walk into a deli and, and all they, they don't see the, the contributing factors. They don't see hazards. They don't see risk management. What they see is that person behind the counter is not wearing a hairnet. And so I have to put a bunch of money into hairnets and hairnet training and, and, and hopefully, I mean, so that, so there, there's a problem, right? Like there's a disconnect there. No, maybe, maybe it's not a problem. It's just a, a competing priority because the hairnet issue, which is not a food safety issue and it's a quality issue may impact the sales just as much or more than the risk factors or contributing factors. Um, but, but by, by doing these two projects, I, what what I hope is that someone would take these and send send this on and use this and say, look, here's a synopsis of what people have seen at retail stores that if you put a bunch of food safety nerds that know what leads to outbreaks, these are the things that they see. These are the things that we should be worried about behind the scenes. And yeah, let me worry about um, uh, hairnets or you know, those are, that's something that you can see. But here are all the other things that are going on that 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 you as the CEO or you as uh, as this, you know, marketing uh, VP, you're not going to see this stuff, but this is what the um, w what the regulations are based on. So, it, but it could go the other way, and uh, when when our second paper comes out, where consumers see things differently and they see the yuck factors, that uh, the CEO goes, "Hey, look, see, all consumers care about are the yuck factors. Let's not worry about food safety," <laughs> which which would be bad, <laughs> right? Right. Well, you know, and it's interesting. So, the, and and hairnets is one of those things where uh, it's not uh, necessarily a high risk thing, but it is something that people wonder about. And I had, I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. And I was trying to find the the email message, and, and I and I couldn't find it. But basically, an issue came up. You know, as you know, we we do inspection of Rutgers University dining halls. We've talked about it before on the podcast. I actually uh, presented uh, to the managers earlier this week and about their sort of their report card or the the findings from the last year. And it was, it was great, really, really exciting, interesting, uh, presentation. Um, but the, the issue in the last year came up about, well, does a bald person need a hairnet? 
Right. And, yeah, great and question. The, and, the, and the answer is yes, they do, because they may not be completely bald. And, um, you know, it's it's a and then and there also is issues of sweat. Right. And so so a hairnet or or or, you know, hair restraint or head covering of some kind is necessary. And unfortunately, you know, it, it's going to take some time to talk about that. It's going to take some time to implement that. It's going to take some time to inspect for that. And and is the is the is the effect on on risk minimal? I would say yes. But you know, this is what the code says right now. So until the code changes, we need to, we need to at least spend some time on it. So anyway, um, yeah. And I think it's, you know, we, 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 this is, this is part of the regulatory structure and we may not agree with it, but it, it is the structure and we need to work within the structure and, and work to maybe advocate to change it to something more sensible. But until we do that, this is, this is what the rules say. And then again, there's also the yuck factor. Like people, I mean, I know, I know that, uh, uh, finding a hair in my food is a relatively low from a food safety risk point of view, but I sure don't want that in my food. And I, and I can't, I can't detect if somebody sweats into my food or maybe a tiny piece of hair from a mostly bald person. I can't detect that, but I don't want that in my food because that's gross. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's totally gross and take care of it, mm-hmm. but also take care of the stuff. This is, you know, me talking as a consumer who may not see the same things. Also take care of the stuff that doesn't make me sick. So I don't have to worry about it. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah, that's, that's the line that, uh, that our colleagues in retail have to have to walk. So, I mean, I hope, I hope it doesn't piss anybody off. I hope I don't get a stream of, uh, responses. Well, <laughs> See what you I know, did there? <laughs> you might, and let's, you know, let's, let's move Ben from yuck factor to suck factor. Ooh, suck the air. Good pivot, Don. <laughs> um, thank you. I've been, I've been sitting on that for 10 minutes. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. So, so Ben, um, I don't know if you know this, but Chipotle, you, you remember Chipotle, right? Ah, uh, I can't place. Have we? It sounds. It sounds familiar. They're a Mexican chain. Okay. Okay. Um, as opposed to a chain of Mexicans. Okay. Okay. <laughs> They're a Mexican chain. They've had some. They've had some food safety problems uh, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have. Mm-hmm. But guess what, Ben? Uh, as reported on the uh, the cutting edge uh, website Grub Street. Love the Grub Chipo- Street. Chip. Chip- <laughs> <laughs> Chipotle. I think I've been there. I think it's in New Orleans. It is. Um, it is. It's you've got a. Um, there's oh no, that's that's uh, that's a Bourbon Street. That's a Grubby Street. Grubby it's a different Street. thing. Yeah. Um, but Chipotle has apparently installed. I, you can't see the the. I'm making uh, single fingered Richard fingers. Ooh. Chipotle has installed breakthrough devices that suck that suck pathogens out of its store's air. <laughs> And I will read from the story by Clint Rainey. Chipotle's sales numbers are, you guessed it, still in decline. You know, I have to question that, though, because I drove by a Chipotle yesterday, Ben, and there was a long line. I think they're giving away a lot of things. Are they? Okay. I think they are. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. I, have, I haven't been in a Chipotle recently, but I was very – I was happy to see that – as I drove by the store that's on my way home, that there was a long line. So that's good. Um, but anyway, their sales numbers apparently are still in decline, but at least credit the company's unfaltering stamina. In a press release yesterday, Chipotle announced yet another round of food safety changes in its 2,200 stores, and this time, not even the air particles are being left to chance. The chain says it's equipping all locations with breakthrough. So in the headline, uh, it's it's single Richard fingers. In the in the story, it's double double Richard fingers. Uh, breakthrough technology that can 
quote, double quote, literally take pathogen sources out of the air, end quote. Industry uh, trade mag fast casual reports Chipotle has spent three months testing this tech. Three months, Ben. That is that is roughly one-eighth of the time that it takes a master's student to examine something. But <laughs> three months testing them. I'm sure they had many people working full-time. Um, a variety of devices made by the Florida-based sanitation company are – GF Environmental Group, and I. This is this is this is the the best quote. Um, the manufacturer vows that it will uh, suck quote airborne and surface bacteria and viruses such as MRSA, E. coli, and Norwalk clean out the air. Clean out the air. <laughs> clean out the air, Ben. Clean out the air. <laughs> clean out. That's uh, a that's a southern thing for those of you out there that are not familiar. That's my cut the lights. My. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Boom. <laughs> now, now we're just saying stuff. <laughs> clean out the air. Um, clean out of the air. Uh, for those of you uptight uh, New Englanders, clean out of the air. Um, if necessary, using patented photohydroionization technology. Another apparatus destroys listeria and other bugs that live in ice machines without any chemicals. No chemicals. And then there's a very ominous-sounding food surface sanitation tunnel, a third contraption where meats conveyored under strategically <laughs> placed ultraviolet light emitters prior to packaging or processing, killing any potential pathogens. Any, Ben, the UV kills any potential pathogens. All the best pathogens. All the, all, all the great pathogens. Uh, Chipotle would have tested them in its commissaries now that these steps occur before ingredients arrive in stores. All right. Uh, ben, what do you – What do you, oh, oh, and, and uh, Chipotle told investors that higher expenses than originally forecast that help explain why end of 26 sales are poised to drop 4.8 percent, fifth straight quarter of decline. So I don't know, Ben. What do you, what do you think about devices that suck pathogens and clean up the air? I think that if you got real dirty air, I guess that's a problem. Uh, and that's a good management strategy. Oh, darn. This one – I tweeted about this yesterday. I'm tweeting more. I don't know if you noticed that. I'm like trying to tweet now that now that we're like uh, uh, re repositioning the blog. I'm like I'm gonna tw I'm gonna tweet more pithy things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, where's the where's the data? Where's the uh, where's the log reductions? What does this even mean? It sucks it out of the What's air. The well, and, and who cares? I mean, cares? yes, great. Let's let's look at the log reductions, but show me where pathogens in the air represent a risk, right? right. More than a theoretical risk. I mean, it sounds sexy, it sounds, sounds interesting, awesome. but Jesus. Yeah. Um. There. So I just texted you the their actual press release from RGF Environmental Group. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read you uh, an entire paragraph. You need to stick with me on this. Okay. Okay. Are you ready. Let me take a deep breath. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Reem Halo and IMSB employ the company's patented photohydrolyzation, PHI cell for short, a chemical-free advanced oxidation technology. So, you know, there's a little bit in there. Um, here. Reem Halo is the next generation of indoor quality technology that recreates nature's process of purifying the air and helps to control environmental sources of harmful bacteria, mold, and viruses on surface and in restaurant settings. The completely automated IMSB ice machine sanitizer uses photohydronization to prevent the spread of harmful bacteria to patrons and employees through cross-contamination by keeping ice machine heads where the ice is made and bins sanitized. Ice machine sanitation is an integral part of food safety because these machines are, and Don, get ready, a common source of the foodborne pathogen Listeria monocytogenes. 
I don't think so, Ben. It's new to me. I don't, I, I, you know, I, ice is a problem, uh, and certainly we have had viral outbreaks linked to ice um, uh, because of contaminated water, but I'm pretty sure ice machines are not a common source of listeria. I could be wrong, uh, but I've never heard that. I've never. It's, so, so here you go. There you go. It's a really good press release, though. They write some good, good copy, as they say. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's chemical-free, Ben. It's chemical-free. It's chemical-free, so it doesn't have any chemicals in it. No, it not, has no, no chemicals. No chemicals. Zero. Not even the photohydronization. Nope. Would, nope. So there's, that, nothing, there's nothing to ionize, Ben, because there's no chemicals. Right. The hydro, the hydro piece. <clears throat> that's, uh, there's no hydro in the hydro even, Ben, because yep. there's no chemicals. No chemical hydro. <laughs> no. That's that's an emo band, I think, isn't it? No, no chemical hydro. Uh yeah, I love I love stuff like this. There's um, there was another uh, another good one because I think in here they also referred to uh, the Norwalk virus somewhere. Oh, that's a, that's not too out of date. No, not no no no. Maybe we can uh, talk about uh, maybe it'll suck the humors uh, right out of uh, <laughs> the airs. And uh, will uh, utilize no alchemy, uh, and it's <laughs> at all zero alchemy in controlling pathogens. Mm. Oh, I hate it when my hum- my humors are all out of balance. Yeah, I think you need a. Uh, I think you need a golden shower. <laughs> I might. I might. I think it's possible. I don't know. I don't know if I haven't tried. And by golden shower, I mean uh, water from a golden uh, faucet head. From That's what I mean. Yeah, from a shower. Um. So, oh yeah, I had a, another. I've been so this is what I've been doing with my tweets, Don. I've just been mm. picking quotes out of articles and then uh, tweeting those. Nice. Yeah, like uh, you know, devices can suck pathogens from air. Yeah, I think I, I think I saw that, and I said that's very good. That's good. That's good. Um, it, it, there was another good one here. Uh, going back through my line. Oh, someone said that uh, raw meat is not quite regulated. Not quite regulated. Huh. What does that mean? Uh, means it's not quite regulated, Ben. It means just what it says. Is that like not quite oh. dead? That's in fact Don't what I wrote. Confuse me with your fancy words. Yeah. Um, so this this came from uh, an article um, that was in the uh, Fort Madison Daily Democrat, where I get all of my uh, uh, raw meat news. Um, and it's about uh, feeding uh, pets raw meat. Uh, and w- some of my favorite quotes from this from this article. And and first of all, I w- I would not. I'm not a a, f- uh, a fan of feeding pets raw meat because I don't like to give my pets uh, salmonella and Campylobacter, which they then crap all over the place and then give me salmonella and Campylobacter. But agreed. Um, first of all, this is uh, Fiona. Uh, Mackin, the owner of Dogs and Divas in Fort Madison, said she's been sold on the idea of feeding dogs diets, including raw meat, for a long time. Quote, first of all, dogs come from wolves. Their DNA is very close, Mackin said. My dogs, for instance, are miniature schnauzers. They were bred to hunt varmints. When they caught them, they ate them. <laughs> um, there's words in that sentence. Um <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I, I would like, I would like to, to, to know more uh, about the DNA of dogs and wolves, uh, Doctor Mackin. Perhaps you can publish a paper on that. Um, Her dog. Also, miniature, wolves. miniature schnauzers. Uh, they were bred to hunt varmints. Ben, they were bred to hunt varmints. They were. Caught them, they eat them. Catch them. <clears throat> hey, catch them if you can eat them. 
Eat him, eat him if you catch him. Is that what eat they, him if you got him. Even if you got him. That's what they said in World War One, right? They Back did. The and, and, and did you know that uh, during the 1900s, <laughs> most dogs ate table scraps? And after World War II, most dogs ate processed kibbles. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Mackin said, uh, the, uh, our, our uh, Fort Madison expert, Mackin said that a uh, dog that eats raw meat can avoid many diseases. Also, uh, this isn't in the actual article. I would add that a uh, dog that eats raw meat might get many diseases. Yes. Yes, <laughs> so it could be either way. Could go both, could go both ways with that. Uh, but uh, don't, be, uh, don't, don't worry because we do have a vet who is part of this. Uh, discussion, Doc, uh, Dr. Don Shannon, who says raw meat's highly risky. It's loaded with bacteria. It's not quite regulated. <laughs> well, so much gold. Yeah. <laughs> so at least, at least uh, Dr. Shannon, uh, veterinarian, is somewhat right. Um, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not quite regulated. Not quite regulated. Oh. <laughs> uh, FDA says, reading more from Dr. Mackin, FDA says there's an acceptable amount of E. coli because it gets cooked. Uh, that's, that's, I guess that's kind of true. Um, our raw food for dogs has a zero tolerance for E. coli. Um, I, I don't know, Ben. I, uh, I, I, I'm, if I were you, I might stop reading the Fort Madison Daily. <laughs> Where is, should we go to Fort Madison? We're going to be on, even, on location. We should go. Even with frozen meat, there are certain bacteria that can reproduce. You know what? We should go through this article and find everything that's that's correct. I think it's a shorter list of things that are wrong. Oh, well, my God. I mean, it says in here, Shannon said, for the most part, raw meat's not recommended. Okay. Check. Okay. Um, oh, my gosh. In essence, I'm just – I got to go back up here. In essence, Mackin said she's giving her customers a chance to let their pets go full circle from meat to dog food and bad, back to raw meat. Full circle. Full circle. Hakuna Matata. It's a circle of life. Hakuna uh, Matata. Um, this is uh, – it's from Iowa, Don. What, I didn't, what, what can you expect from from, uh, from, from Iowa? From Fort Madison, Iowa. I wonder how close that is to uh, Des Moines. We should find out. Let's. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know how we do that. <laughs> if only we had a way to search yeah. for things. Yeah. Let me get my clicky-click. We should send. Uh, we should send someone from IAFP out to talk to uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Mackin and Doctor uh, Doctor What's his name Shannon. Oh gosh. Oh geez. I uh, yeah. Well, anyway, apparently the raw meat thing is uh, still up in the air. It's up in the air. Is, no. You can't even send this to Betteridge. Is raw meat a good or bad thing for pets? The answer, I guess, would be no. No, not a good or a bad thing. Uh, Fort Madison, Iowa. Okay, so I've got it's on a river. Okay, it is. It is near. It's uh, like like all things in Iowa. It's not near much. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's it's a, almost as far away from Des Moines as you can get. Oh, well, that explains it. Yeah. The people that are closer to Des Moines know more about food safety because osmosis, Ben. That's true. <clears throat> it is, I would say, almost equidistance between Des Moines and St. Louis. And oh, Chicago. It is. It looks like it is in the triangle. Oh, wow. Of those three spots. Wow. And and in fact, if we were to draw a square from Kansas City to Des Moines, Des Moines to Chicago, Chicago to St. Louis, and St. Louis to Kansas City, this would almost be central in that square. So it really is hmm. as far away from major cities as possible. 
I love the I love the caption on the photo. Um, according to Mackin, raw meat is a good diet for dogs, having proven that when they lived in packs in the wild. <laughs> uh, oh, it's a good mm. thing or a bad thing. It's not quite regulated. I'm going to use that mm. so much. In fact, that is going to become an inside joke that I'm going to say all the time, and no one's going to get it because only you and I have read this article. <laughs> Uh, it's being like not quite pregnant, you know. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. Or, or the uh, the famous uh, Monty Python. I'm not dead yet. I'm not quite not dead. Quite, not quite dead. Yes. Not quite dead. Oh, shoot. Oh shoot, Don. Oh fiddlesticks. Um. So. Just uh, just for any of our listeners that don't that don't know the uh, very famous uh, Monty Python, uh, dead parrot sketch. We will we will link to that on YouTube. Perfect. Um, hey, so one other thing I wanted to talk about before we go. Uh, <laughs> did you know that you could, if you were um, growing and selling hazelnuts in, let's say, uh, Oregon, that on um, annually you might be able to sell like 32,000 to 48,000 pounds of hazelnuts directly to consumers from a farm stand? <laughs> I did not know that. that blows, Tell me more. I'm intrigued. Blows my mind. Okay, so... Um, there's an outbreak going on um, in uh, Oregon, um, and it's been linked to is some Salmonella uh, typhimerium, five uh, illnesses, um, same PFG uh, linked to hazelnuts, uh, or sorry, the, it has also been found in hazelnuts from Schmidt Farm uh, and Nursery, uh, who that runs a highway stand southwest of McMinnville, Oregon. Um, so lots of their crop goes to uh, wholesalers. Um, they said that their farm stand sells 32,000 to 48,000 pounds of hazelnuts to consumers. That sounds like a pretty big farm stand. It does. It's, it, that blew me it's not what I picture when I picture a farm stand. What? Yeah. What it's more I, like a farm mansion. Like, yeah, like a, like a farm store. Grocery store. Yeah. yeah. I, so what, what surprised me about this article and is not that there was salmonella and hazelnuts. And nope. not that people got sick from it. It's nope. that uh, they could sell so many pounds. Like, if I, how much is a pound of hazelnuts? Is it way more than a pound of lead? You mean, it's, or no, it's, is I think it's more, a riddle? I think it. Fa- I think it falls faster than a pound of feathers. Feathers, right? Uh, hazelnut uh, price. So let's see. If I was selling at retail and I was going to buy a pound of hazelnuts, if I was going to purchase a pound of hazelnuts, stuff, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm looking. At nutstop.com, which looks like the small, <laughs> cheapest. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're 13. We are. We it's are. funny. A one pound bag of raw hazelnuts from nutstop.com. They have bulk sizes available. Uh, it's $9.99. It's 10 bucks. If I get it, if I get it, no, Don, Don, you don't even know where I'm going to go next. Do you know if I get it from We Got Nuts? It's twelve ninety nine. Nuts dot com, twelve ninety nine. Hazelnut price um, to market is about seventy cents per pound, but it's sold at retail at at ten bucks a pound. So well, I can I can see why this farm stand, this quote unquote farm stand, is selling directly to consumers. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, you know value added right there, man. It's I, I I you know if you can sell them to consumers, do it. But but make sure they're they don't got no salmonella first. They are exactly they're doing. So I'm just looking at Oregon or Oregon Oregon 
Oregon hazelnut growers get record prices for second year. This is from 2014, so who knows if the prices have still have remained the same. But um, you would get uh, an Oregon average crop is about 2,000 pounds to the acre. Some of the newer varieties are doing 4,000 to 5,000 pounds per acre. So if we're looking at like 32 to 48,000 pounds, you're looking at a lot of acres, right? Like 20 acres. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm. Um, right now, or in 2014, he was selling this guy, Tim Amon, was selling uh, hazelnuts at a buck sixty a pound. Crazy. Wow. It's a very lucrative investment. Anyway, salmonella, typhomerium, hazelnuts, farm stand, uh, farm mansion. So I'm just, I'm really just giving us like now. I'm just giving the PowerPoint version of our talk of our of food safety talk. The picture of a hazelnut and nut, nutstop.com. <laughs> Still funny. Still funny. Oh, it really is. Well, is that uh, what do you what do you got? Is that a podcast? You got something else? I, I I think so. I think that's a show. Let me let me take a quick. Oh, you know what? We should uh, we should talk about the end of the world. Oh, um, which is which is what our friend uh, Michelle said um, when she told us that uh, apparently uh, Twinkies have been recalled for salmonella. So end of days, end of days, end of days, right? Uh, yeah, it turns out it was a special kind of Twinkie. I got very excited uh, when I initially saw the headline, uh, but it was a, a Christmas chocolate peppermint uh, uh, Twinkie, and uh, it was the filling, no dusting. Uh, that they used on the outside of the Twinkie. So it's not the, yep, the, con- the Yeah, the confectionery coating, and I suspect that that confectionery coating is probably made from non-fat dry milk. Um, and yes, so the confectionery coating contains milk powder, uh, ingredients recalled by Valley Milk Products. And again, it's it's not an outbreak. It is a, is a recall, and the, the recall is linked to milk powder, uh, which is well known to be contaminated with salmonella. And it is uh, not, not that surprising. And yeah, and, you're, and as you said, it is only the white peppermint uh, holiday limited edition Twinkies that are involved. Um, <clears throat> Again, no reports of illness, um, and and honestly, not that surprising. Although uh, uh, Twinkies recalled because of Salmonella is is a great uh, is a great story idea. Um, probably not that surprising given what we know about about Salmonella. And uh, yeah, to so my my kids, uh, we went to uh, went to the Chick Fil A. You know that place? Heard about? I it? do. Yeah. So they. So, so Chick Fil A is is known for two things in my house. One is if you don't like the book or toy they give you, and you're eating at the restaurant, you can trade it in for ice cream. Um, and they and homophobia, Ben. That's the other thing well, that they're known the other for. Thing that they're known for, yeah. Also, yes. Uh, um, but also, they uh, I, I play. Uh, they, they sponsor one of my hockey teams. Uh, so oh, I'm, I'm in nice. A, yeah, I'm I'm I, I, I'm in a conflict. Uh, the, the, the name of the team is the uh, the 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 Chick Fil A Gay Bashers. It, it's not. It's not. It's okay. Just, it, yeah. No. It, we uh, uh, we're just we're just Chick Fil A. We just you know, fill in the blank. Um, <laughs> so so they they give away these um, uh, games sometimes, and one of the games was this like word game where you like it asks you questions. There's cards. It's like a dinner table game where mm-hmm. you're like you know would you rather do this or this or um, and what, you know, whatever. And so one of them was, uh, what would be a good band name, which is great. That's a great game to play anyway. 
And, mm-hmm. and I was thinking what I needed was to say the, um, the Salmonella Contaminated Twinkies. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's a good band name. It's a little long. I, I Like, it's maybe. Maybe it's a little long. But I, I don't know. I think I, li- I like it. I'm going to go with that. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's drop the mic on this on this baby. Uh, I think that's a show. That is, I, I'm stretching my words out to figure out what episode number this is. 117. Uh, Food safety talk. And uh, thanks, Don. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hey, so your surgery got pushed, so we can get another yeah. one of these in before your surgery. Is Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and because I've cleared my schedule, because I was expecting to not be able to do anything, uh, my schedule is relatively wide open. Awesome. Good. Well, I'm sad. So now you have to clear more of your schedule. Oh, tell me about it. But I, I was kind of already clearing it because I, you know, I just, I just figured it's going to be a long convalescence, so. Yeah. Although I did meet somebody at a meeting a couple days ago uh, right here in town that just had rotator cuff and surgery and his his, uh, brace came off after two weeks and he looked pretty good. So that's good. Um, Michelle and I were I saw Michelle last week and we had lunch in Savannah, Georgia. And uh, we were talking about your rotator cuff surgery and we both agreed um, it's going to be horrible. (laughs) Thanks, guys. You're welcome. I'm sorry. I think she knows someone who had rotator cuff surgery. Maybe her dad. Maybe mm. someone. Maybe someone else. And uh, we decided that it's uh, from everything we've heard, it sounds awful. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a. I mean, that's what I've heard as well. It's a long, uh, grueling recovery. You know, basically a year. So you know, whatever. It's it's gonna be what it's gonna be. So. Oh, it is. Um. So, how about? Uh. Okay. I'm, I'm going to DC. Um, 25th. What about the 24th? It's not quite two weeks. Sure. Okay. I'm like wide open. Sure. Let's say 930 again, because that gives me time if I do have to drop kids off. Okay. F-S-T-1-1-8.
not FSY. That's a different podcast. <laughs> Food safety yawn. It's just us yawning. That's what the Y would be. All right. So I have this one. Yep. Um, and I'm going to do this now. If you could shoot the um, links in, that would be awesome. I'm going to see. If yep, we'll do. Uh, edit. I've, I don't have anything until noon, so I'm going to spend 40 minutes on this. Cool. And let's get it up. Let's just do it. All right. Um, that's it. What else? What else you got going on? Anything? No, just not surgery. So no. yeah, I'm gonna. I gotta get caught up on all the stuff that uh, I hadn't been doing uh, <laughs> you're because I'm surgery. too busy. Yeah. yeah. No, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's good to have a, it's good to have like two extra weeks where my calendar is relatively clear. So hopefully I can get a lot of writing and, and, you know, stuff done that, that travel would otherwise interfere with. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of nice having cleared my calendar. Um, and I just, it's what probably what this means is that, you know, my, my just going to affect travel further into the spring, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? What right. Gonna I do? mean. Yeah. I'm, my shoulder's going to be messed up. Trump's going to be president. Uh, it's, you know, you just, you just have to just soldier on, Ben. At least you have your health. Well, except for your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> could least. be worse, Ben. I, I could be in a coma. It could be worse. Could be coma. Could could be worse. Could have two so- shoulder surgeries. Uh, I tell you, this my my right shoulder is not doing good either. I think I'm looking at a surgery on that one eventually. But but first things first, you know. Yeah, I uh, I slammed into the boards last night and um, bruised my sh- shoulder, but. I, mm. I've now, like in recently, like twice in the last, I don't know, six weeks, have um, been skating really hard, lost an edge, and slid into the boards. And in, and, yeah, and not like, like both times, like, oh, this, I don't know if this is going to hurt or not. Like, like as I'm thinking, I'm, I can't stop myself. So, so anyway, I was, I'm not, wow. I'm not hurt. So I'm happy about that. Good. I'm. I'm glad. Take care of yourself because uh, we need at least we need at least one one of us to be healthy. One. Our, yeah. Exactly. At least we have our health. <laughs> uh, go watch uh, some uh, political drama on TV. Uh, I will. Like, I will. Like House of Cards or or the real. Well, house. think influencers. That's that's my homework. Oh, think oh influencers. Gosh. You're gonna love that. Uh, cool. Okay. I'll talk to you later, Don. Bye bye. Bye.